Welcome again to Living in the Past. Uh, we are talking about March 1995 today, and if God were one of us, he wouldn't have given us the Mataba virus. My name's Paul. I'm confused. That's a reference to something coming up. No. Is that a song that came out? Yeah, if God, if, what if God was one of us? Who did that? Joan Osborne. Was that this month? Yes. Oops. <laughs> This is Ben, who is uh, not actually, <laughs> or not, hey, not seen. There, there's a lot here. Okay, look, I uh, and I know, I know instantly when I, as I was about to say this, I was like, I bet he just completely disagrees with me. But I, I believe, I believe that we could do a separate episode just on the music of this episode of March 1995. Yes, yes, yes. we could. Awesome. Uh, it is a big, big month for music. It's a big, it's a big month for movies. It's a big month for events. It's, like, it's going to be a huge episode. So let's not dick around. Let's just get right into it and go into living in the now. Uh, so I haven't really been doing anything except for like, watching 90s and doing 90s stuff because I haven't got any time to do anything else. But are you still in your... Um, because we're recording these in, in October, are you still on your uh, thirty-one days kick with uh, with your partner? Um, not really. We've you bailed. We've, we've, no, I was never really a part of it. I was just sometimes <laughs> in the area. Yeah. Uh, but I've obviously veered off a little bit. She'll watch something spooky. I'll watch something shitty. Um, <laughs> being from nineteen ninety-five. <1995. laughs> uh, thankfully, to get to it. thankfully, one of them today was. Was a spooky '95 film, but uh, we did manage to cram in the Patient, which is on Disney, starring Steve Carell. Oh, which is, is it good? Finished. Uh, it is. Awesome. Um, it's. I don't want to say it's slow. Like it's it's well paced. Mm. I don't think it needs to be ten episodes, but nothing does these days. But I mean, they're pretty short for the most part. They're you know, 29 minutes. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't need to be 10, but I at no, no episode did we watch and I thought, could have done without that one. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Like, Which they all more... had a story. Yeah. I started watching The Watcher and um, it's like, look, it's not bad. I've, I'm a couple episodes in and like, there's some spooky bits in it, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's like series I just, I struggle with. Um, I always have, like, I'm a more of a movie guy, but uh, I'm going to try and finish it because I've heard good things i heard it gets like very um batshit crazy so uh look i'll i'll keep you posted on that one please and, do uh you know what i, I we gotta get we gotta get into 95 we gotta get into march 95 because we got it's too much to go to too much to do so let's go into events All right. So, do you want the do you want the, do you want the good, the bad, or the ugly? Do I want to skip events? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, let's start off uh, serious. So, uh, last season in nineteen ninety four, we talked about a sarin gas attack in Japan. Um, it was like the prelude to the major one I said at the time that happened in nineteen ninety five, and that happened in March. Uh, so, it is 
um, the Tokyo subway sarin attack, uh, where uh, the um, the group, uh, a terrorist group, released um, sarin on several um, commuter trains um, in Tokyo. It was just like it's, it's very scary how they did it because they did it with like cold calculating precision. Um, and if you don't know what sarin is, sarin is like a um, it's a nerve agent which basically shuts down your body if if you're um, exposed to it too long. It's, it's actually the most poisonous one you can get. Uh, so the um, the the actual cult was called um, I'm gonna butcher this uh, Om Shinrikyo. Um, <laughs> Which I'm sure is not how you pronounce it. I've tried. I even, but if I you're a cult, then you yeah, know, I even checked the pronunciation. It. I'm like, I'm still not great on it. Uh, so uh, basically, what they did, they had um, pa- they had packages of uh, liquidized sarin. They went onto trains and um, covered up the the bags with newspaper, and they had umbrellas with sharpened tips at the end, oh. and they would drop the bags on the ground and then just stab them with the with the umbrellas and then walk off and go to their getaway car and leave them on the trains. And they did this like in the in the middle of the morning rush hour in Tokyo. So uh, five thousand people would be affected by this. Um, wow! They, yeah, they they would um they would have fourteen deaths um coming from this. One actually, oh, a few on the day, but one actually happened um in twenty twenty. They still attribute it to this attack. Like he had been in a coma for twenty five years, and um finally succumb to like the the sarin um toxicity that he had sustained on that day so he was the 14th victim he still was counted on the official death toll so uh so yeah that's the thing is like a nerve agent attacks your body you're not going to just get over it um some people yeah. did but like a lot of people 60 percent of the people that were affected um had uh something wrong with it, some, something some issues with their vision for the rest of their lives so it was um a pretty major thing that happened um, and in a time where, like, I mean, I remember this happening, and I remember, uh, yes, it's scary because, like, it was just done. The the leader wanted to start a new world war, and this is the way he thought he was going to do it. And then, yeah, and unfortunately, uh, people died and people got very sick. So, yeah, uh, a pretty pretty much landmark, you know. That, and we're going to see more and more terror attacks. Uh, large ones, um, and I'm and look. I should say, like you know, there's also a lot of terror attacks that don't don't get um, the news coverage because they're done in countries where the media may deem, you know, not newsworthy. But like I'm talking about tax, attacks that um, sort of the pop culture and 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 the news media sort of took took, took notice of. Um, yeah. So yeah, good times to come. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in terrorist. What a great town. way to start. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but one good thing that came out was, and I thought this would have been uh, tackled years ago in the eighties, but we had our first official chickenpox vaccine come out in nineteen ninety five. Uh, up until then, I don't know what we were doing. I think you just got it and you just sort of like, you know, you just copped it. I mean, I remember. I think I had it um, uh, back like in the eighties so at some stage. Uh, I do remember. Uh, some parents used to have chicken pox parties where they would get one kid who's infected and then take a bunch of their kids over if they hadn't been infected yet just to get just to get over it, just to get through it, which is just oh horrible. Um, which would then... Imagine, ha- imagine how many mothers and families were doing that in the last couple of years. 
Oh, they now they were. There were people. Um, there was uh, especially in affluent suburbs of America. They were doing COVID parties where like one person would have COVID and they'd take it, run over there and get it, so they can just get over it. And they assumed that that would give them like the natural immunity to it, um, and not you know kill them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, people, not diplomatic. Yeah. Oh man, it's 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 crazy. I, I don't understand. But uh, so this. In the U.S., I've got the U.S. Um, uh, statistics. Uh, so when uh, there used to be over 4 million cases of uh, chickenpox a year in the U.S., um, this knocked it down to, by 2014, 390,000, which is significant. Like it's, And also uh, cut down the risk of uh, long-term uh, uh, sickness from it by 95%. So, look, science is good, <laughs> is my yes. thing. Uh, going on to, let's go back home and even very close to our home, actually. This is uh, High Marsh Island. This is in South Australia. That was fair. So, was it? Well, I am home. So, <laughs> uh, so we are talking about... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are talking about the High Marsh Island bridge controversy. So, what happened was uh, near Goolwa in South Australia, there's, a, um, there's a, an island, island called High Marsh Island. And they wanted to um, build a bridge, but this also um, happened to uh, cross over into sacred land of the Nunanjeri people in uh, South Australia. So what they said was that it, the bridge is basically going into a portion of land that they they it's sacred because it was like it was actually a fertile a fertility land for the women and obviously very sacred to them and they opposed it. Now, the big thing that happened in 1995 was there was this uh, guy called Ian McLaughlin and he, so there was a bunch of documents that you weren't supposed to uh, look at unless you were part of the Nurnjeri people Uh, and he looked at it and then told a bunch of people why they opposed (laughs) the bridge, which he wasn't supposed to do. Um, Oh. But this was also laughed off in the media, kind of because, and I remember this happening all the time. Like this, these words being said, it was called. Have you ever heard of secret woman's business? I've heard people make that comment. I didn't realize it was a thing. I just thought they were well. This is where it sort of originated from because, like, they they basically said uh, because it was about fertility and sexuality, and like apparently it was it was, it was a place that um, uh, they also um, performed abortions uh back in sacred oh. um, sacred times like it was a really really sacred place for the women of the um of the people there and this guy opened up the documents and told a bunch of people and then they just brushed it off as secret woman's business and it's like no <laughs> this is like really really important to them and it just showed that like i mean this is this is at the time where you know land rights and and aboriginal rights were sort of really in focus there was still fat white men who just disregarded them and then you know and then outwardly from the people of South Australia also disregarded them because they were like oh, well you know you don't use it for that anymore so who gives a shit and it's like well <laughs> and yeah so this is this is a major one of the major sort of points of um of aboriginal land rights especially in our home state so we'll we'll check back into that um over the next few years because it, it unfortunately it does take a long time and unfortunately it doesn't have like that greater ending to it as well but we will uh, check back that in a bit. Uh, the peacekeeping trips in Somalia left, so all was well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, nothing well done, good. everyone. <laughs> um, so they did leave. Um, look, to, to 
slightly credit like that the the insurgency and, and the fighting had um had slowed down and there there was uh, a, a it was a bit more peaceful there since the the nato troops and everything was in there but um you know as we would know as we will find out it the uh what happened there and and what uh the western world kind of neglected will have uh pretty pretty profound effects in the years to come uh so let's 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 move on to slightly brighter things and it's it's still award seasons over in, in the US so uh, we have the. Uh, what do you want to do first, Grammys or Oscars? <laughs> What's more important? <laughs> Neither of them. <laughs> yeah. In, in like uh, considering what we just talked about, none of these are important at all. <laughs> yes. But we will go through the Grammy Award winners. So, uh, record of the year went for Sheryl Crow for "All I Want to Do." Uh, uh, album of the year. So, record of the year, I believe, is a single because that's a single. Uh, album of the year went to MTV Unplugged Tony Bennett. Okay. Um, <laughs> song of the year went for uh, Streets of Philadelphia by, by Bruce. And Breast, Breast. Best New Artist was Cheryl Crow. Sorry, Cheryl. Um, alternative music performance was Green Day for Doogie. I really should have done this beforehand. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we had Best Pop Vocal, vocal Performance was Can You Feel the Love Tonight by Elton John. Uh, best pop performance by a duo group, and it's, this is just encouraging them. Was I swear by All for One because, of course, it was because it was always on the radio in America. Um, if you mm-hmm. listen to our 1994 season, um, best pop vocal uh collaboration was Al Green and Lyle Lovett. And I'll only mention that because Lyle Lovett won a Grammy but also lost Julia Roberts in the same month. <laughs> that's that's so. tough. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not like that's not like for like. No, that's like that doesn't take the sting out of it. It's like, well, here you go, Lyle. And he's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you got a friend in me? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he do that? I'm pretty sure he did that. I'm like, I don't know. Um. So yeah, look, the Grammys are so stupid. Um, the rock, uh, female rock was uh, Mr. Etheridge. Bruce won again for best vocals performance for for uh, Streets of Philadelphia. Aerosmith still won. A good voice. Aerosmith yeah. still around. Uh, Soundgarden won yes. for Black Hole, Black Hole Sun. Good one. Uh, so that's best hard rock performance for, best, for Black Hole Sun. Best metal performance for Spoon Man. So they got best hard rock and also best metal, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> And the best rock album was uh, the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge, which just shows you how out of touch the Grammy Awards are with everything around them. Uh, yeah. well, let's go on to the uh, the Academy Awards. Now, we talked about the uh, the Golden Globes, I believe, in uh, January. Uh, so, And that's usually like a bit of a blueprint to see who wins in the, in the Academy Awards. But let's go through them. This is a big year. So uh, best picture was Forrest Gump. One over Four Rings and Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show. Beat Quiz Show. I disagree. No. No, beat yes, it, beat The Shawshank that. Redemption. Well, apparently that was the best movie in 94. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis won Best not. Director for Forrest Gump. Hmm. Uh, beat Quentin Tarantino, which everyone thought was a, was a shoo-in. Uh, Tom Hanks won for Forrest Gump. Uh, and then yeah. Jessica Lange won for Blue Sky, which we really should have watched last year because apparently, apparently her performance was amazing. No. Won a lot of awards for it, but also won over Susan Sarandon in the climb, which I also, you know, not seeing her performance, I think that's wrong. <laughs> I think Susan Sarandon should win all the awards. And then no mention of Danny Glover in Angels in the Outfield either. 
apparently. <laughs> he must have, well, I think I believe he was shortlisted. Yeah. <laughs> Great, kids are psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best screenplay written uh, for the screen was Pulp Fiction, and best screenplay based on material uh, was Forrest Gump. <laughs> it just won everything. It's based just... on what material? A book. It's based. It's based on a book. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which I read. Yeah, I, I knew that. <laughs> and it's that. like it's one of those things. Like that didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a very weird movie. We'll listen to our episode about it, but it's, um, yeah, it's very, very odd. Uh, so I think that wraps me up. I know that's a bit of, I know, I know it's not been great, <laughs> but hopefully we'll get better. No, but, um, no, it really was not. But, you know, I did the awards to segue nicely into sport. What a legend. What a champion. No, it's been a marvellous game here. Back of the net. Thanks. <laughs> so hit me with the best shot. All right. Um, let let's come home to Adelaide again. Okay. But not exactly, because uh, we've also gone to Waverley Park. Um, it's AFL season. Ah. Which is not very exciting for me. Oh, most this people. is the, this is the season for Adelaide, yeah. No. Maybe. No. Okay. No, oh no, it's, it's not. not. Okay, cool. Okay, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I just found this. This was kind of interesting to me to note. So they used to do that little preseason cup that meant nothing to anyone, but it was just you know we don't oh. just want to play each other for no reason. So what was it? What was it cup. called? Uh, in 1995, it was the Ansett Australia Cup. Oh, okay, that, that, yeah, because it was the NAB Cup for a while. Yes. So it was just like it's just basically the sponsorship cup. <laughs> yep. Cool. Um, so North Melbourne beat Adelaide in the quote unquote final. Okay. And then, so that was Saturday, the 25th of March, mm -hmm. the, the final of the preseason cup Saturday, sorry, Friday, the 31st of March, mm -hmm. the real season started with North Melbourne again, beating Adelaide. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did you, I mean, they did get a lot closer. I think in the Ansett Cup, they got beaten by like 30 points. And round one, they only got beaten by three. So, so where was the Ansett Cup? That would be in Waverley, yeah? Yeah, so that was in Melbourne. Um, this game was also in Melbourne. To less ah. people. <laughs> so the final, 35,000 people. <laughs> yeah. 35,000 people packed Waverley. So that would have been a pretty full house, I'd imagine. Um, only 25,000 rocked up to the MCG. Yeah, but that would game. be 30, like for a cup for a final, you'd get like people being comped because that's not like paying people. I bet like half of us is like, well, here you go, it's a final or something. Here, here you go, Anset employees. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy football before we close down your airline in about five years. But then you've also got you know eight thousand North Melbourne members who've just seen their team win. Like, yeah. Not how win again. many members they I, had at the time? I'm pretty sure it'd be more than that. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> North it's, Melbourne always seems to be like a middling, like to to a lower team. Like I always, I I just I don't like them. I've never had. No. And the then fact, the fact they won they a grand final makes no sense to me. When do they win a grand final? Uh, not yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Let's get out of football, Bill, and go on to. Uh, 
to what people call real footballville. Oh. Yeah. Look, if, if people uh, but, aren't kicking people in crowds, I don't want to hear about <laughs> They might have been. Yeah. But was probably not. Was it in Scotland? Because, no, this, is, this is the women's Euro. And, oh, uh, okay. Women, uh, for the most part, do not have the same white line fever that uh, <laughs> men do because they're generally more balanced people. Yeah. Um, so the women's Euros, strangely not played the way that the men's competition was. Uh, the semi-finals were played in December and February. <laughs> uh, we'll try and accommodate yeah. you over a year. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the final did occur in March 1995, where Germany beat Sweden 3-2. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, to a very disappointing crowd of 8,000 people. <laughs> or but North then again... But in that's, fairness, that's why they didn't go to the other game. <laughs> this this was in Finland, <laughs> Germany, Sweden. So you know, <laughs> okay. Finnish cool. people don't want to see that. So one of the semi-finals was played in Scotland. Sweden and Norway was played in Scotland. Is it just like anywhere in Europe? They just like literally just go anywhere. Oh man. Well, yeah. Generally, like the competition picks a country or two countries, and they share it. Yeah. But, but the, the semi-finals women. were played in Hungary, Denmark, Bulgaria, and Scotland. Welcome to the Women's Euro, a.k.a. the afterthought. <laughs> and uh, let me just double-check. All the nations that these games were played in mm. did not have a participating team. <laughs> nice. Maybe they were like, we need some Finnish people to get into football. Let's, let's, let's go put... Two teams that aren't them in a, in a match, they'll get the they'll get the crowd riled out. I'm all just waiting to get to, uh, not that anyone cares. Uh, Tampa Bay got a baseball team. Uh, I don't know if they're around anymore. Um, what are they called? They were the Devil Rays. I think they're now just the Tampa Bay Rays. They are, yeah, or, or Tampa <laughs> yeah, Rays. Yeah, because conservative Christians is like, but do we really need the devil in there? Well, down in Florida, Oof. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, we are pretty much hell down here, but do we do we need to the devil in the name? I wonder if being like a, a Florida beachy sort of area, they thought about just being the Tampa Bay Bays. <laughs> Can't we just be the Tampa Bay's Tampa side? Bay's Bay's yeah. the Tampa Bay Sand, Tampa Bay Sea. Mm. Um. Anyway, this is all leading to the only real sports news that is important in March okay. of 1995. All right. Uh, the sh- I think it's the Chicago Tribune. 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 Um, Michael Jordan, I'm Ooh. back. Ah. Ending his. Hey, everyone! I suck at baseball. Retirement. I'm back. That's not what happened. It's exactly what he happened. was not. He was. Everyone knows now. He was getting quite good at baseball. <laughs> Little article to the side, Scotty Pippen, not happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we talked about was it last year, the year before, where, no, it might have been even earlier, uh, Scotty Pippen almost got traded. Yes, to Seattle, yeah? Yes, and yeah. there was other conversations of it, and Jordan has since said, like, if he'd got traded, if Pippen wasn't at the Bulls anymore, he would not have come back. Okay. 
Um, I believe funnily that. enough, I believe that's bullshit. I believe that anything that Michael Jordan says is bullshit. A lot of it is, but I believe he would that not have, he would should not have come back because this people. this this kicks off like a very sad, like I don't know, I know they have some success, but then like you know he goes to the Wizards, and it's like, oh, just let it go, Mike. Yeah, just let it go. That Indiana, Indiana, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> we'll get to the Wizards. There's, I don't know. There's, there's a bit more. Okay. I'm sure there's more to it. All right. But um, this was this one. It's an exciting time because arguably the greatest basketballer of all time has come back to yeah. boost the ratings <laughs> immensely. I mean, I can't. Because does it say how much they're paying him? No, I didn't look into that. Can you find that out before the next uh, episode? Because I would love to know. Of how course, much I can. Him. Awesome. Thank you. You get into the research. I'll you go put your, uh, you, go put your you go put your press cap on, and say, "Mr. John, Mr. John, Ben Ray from the Living the Past Times." <laughs> How much getting paid? Uh, I could I can tell you now if you want. Okay, it was it was quite easy. <laughs> it was a magical thing. <laughs> so you just clicked on something. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. How uh, much are you getting paid? Three point eight five million per game. No, that's so. 1991, he was on two and a half. 91, mm. 92, he's on 3.25. 92, 93 season, he's on 4 million. So he's got the pay 90... cut. He probably, his contract was probably like, it maybe went up or All like right. it's. I, I it's believe like this then year also, where you're prime, like if you win, you'll get this much sort of thing. Maybe like, and then like advertising revenue would be like through the fucking roof. So, um, and then he's about to do Space Jam. So. Yeah, um, but he becomes a free agent next year, so that will change things okay. quite dramatically. Right. Um, but at the time, it was a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. Um, but I, everyone knows his money came from Nike, so he didn't really need, you know, any contract with the Bulls. No. It's like Shaq made all his money in college. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you need to stop quoting basketball. No, I don't. But talk all about right. films. Yeah. Let's See do the films. There? Yeah, that was a good segue. I like that. That helped. Yeah. All right, let's do film. Uh, look, quite, quite a bit. I'm not saying good. I'm just saying quite a bit. <laughs> Quantity doesn't uh... always mean quality. <laughs> let's go through them. Hardaway... Once for Warriors, Man of the House, Muriel's Wedding, Outbreak, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, <laughs> Dolores Claiborne, uh, Major Pain, Tall Tale, Born to be Wild, The Sum of Us, Tank Girl, Tommy, G- Tommy Boy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Circle of Friends. I said Tommy Girl in the notes, can you tell? You sure did. Um, I double checked that that wasn't a real thing. Uh, what did you watch? I watched Once for Warriors. Mm-hmm. Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, Ooh. Tank Girl, and Tommy Boy. All right. Well, all I right. was all set to watch Tall Tale, mm-hmm. um, and then I watched the trailer and decided I was not going to watch that. Um, I considered ways. Dolores. Yeah, um, Major Pain. I hate Dolores Dol- 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 Claiborne. I considered. Yes, yeah, so I die. And then I realized it's Stephen King, and I don't have time for you. No, my I realized it was like over two hours. I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
I don't know about that at all. Um, but that's one I'm also going to like. If I catch it, if it's not like, because I also had to pay for it. I already paid for a couple of things this this time. So, but if I see it around, it, it starts to stream somewhere. I'm gonna give it a go because it, it looks it looks very decent. Um, what did you I watch? Did, I did Hideaway, Outbreak, Tommy Boy, Muriel's Wedding, Tank Girl, and Man of the House. Oh, impressive. So, and I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll go through. So, um, I didn't watch Once for Warriors because I had watched that years ago and it was not easy to watch and I didn't feel like watching it. There was no point in this, that in this week where I'm like, I want to go and watch some domestic violence. So, yeah. um, tell me how that was for you. I can't remember ever seeing it as a kid yep. um, or growing up at all, but I know of it like i'd always known of it like everyone talked highly of it well i remember um, it also being um highly sought after on both vhs and dvd at the video store so like a lot of people used to and this was this was one of our most stolen tapes as well or no or non non-returned um items so yeah and this is my the thing i couldn't stop thinking about throughout the film and it's probably going to sound really dumb and i don't want this to come out the wrong way but i as good as a film as it was and I think it's got a good story and a good moral in there. But I can't help but think, does this just add to the racism that Maori people endured? I believe, like, the people... You watch you... the first half of the film, yeah. and it's just drinking and abuse. It's such a clear, like, clear plot point in the film where that's going to be the biggest takeaway for most people. Mm. Maori people just get drunk and beat up their wives, and they're angry, and they're in gangs and have tattoos. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the people hiring it, this not. weren't weren't they, they, they were usually pretty, pretty rough people, and usually came back saying, "Oh man, it's brutal. You should watch it." And I'm like, "I'm not sure you're getting the point of this movie, dude." Um, and that's the thing is like, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I, I, I hate to use the the example, but like, you know, all these brutal sort of Australian movies, like you know, Rumper Stomper, and um, you know, stuff like Once Warriors, and and then going into like uh, like the gang culture sort of stuff. What it's trying to talk about and hopefully avoid it's kind of like stoking the fire for in a way um and that's also i mean that's not their fault that's just um they wanted to show what they're showing and they want to show like the the reality yeah but at the same time doing that in a way that like some could see is like not gratuitous but like you know it depends on who's watching i suppose yeah and just i think the ratio in the film like the first 40 to 50 minutes yeah. is not like a shining light on this family. Yeah. Only like the end where uh, Rena Owen, I forgot her character's name. Um, Beth, I think. <laughs> yeah, Beth and Jake. Um, only when Beth like finally leaves, goes out on her own, the whole funeral thing is amazing. And I think I've mentioned before that we used to watch Casketeers. Yeah. The New Zealand family that have their own funeral home, yes. um, which reminded me very much of that. So, like that side of it was great. Um, and once, like she takes on her own story, like it's incredible. But I feel like too much of the film is just about the brutality. Yeah, and it's. I know that that would have been a reality for most ethnicities in the nineties. Like a lot of people were in poverty, <laughs> but when you're in a culture that has not been given much light around the rest of the world or even in australia and suddenly everyone sees this it's like oh fuck this is what new zealand is 
this is what married people are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's And I know that's not the idea and I'm probably making it worse by just talking about that side of it, but it's yeah, it's a, it's sad for me that that's and then they probably went to try and undo it with what becomes of the broken hearted um and Shortland Street. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, that's the, the sequel. The sequel to it is um, what becomes the broken heart, and that again, that was like another like hard to find and hard to get sort of um, uh, DVD VHS sort of. Thing. Oh, I think uh, it might have been after VHS, but yeah. So oh, look, but, um, but that aside, like it is an amazing movie, and like the performances and Tamara so Morrison. Good. This is this is what sort of um, pushed him to to big stardom. Is like you know, yeah, this was his breakout role. Um, it's just like he. Like, I mean, I will say that like. <laughs> I used to walk past the 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 cover, and he's he's a frightening man <laughs> on yeah. that cover. And like, I remember like we used to have the uh, just like seeing it on a trailer for other movies. I'm like, I don't know what I want. And I, I eventually sat down and watched it once, and I was like, yeah, I think that's enough for me. Um, okay, so I'm gonna talk about a couple of movies I watched. I'm gonna talk about Hideaway, which mm. is a Jeff Goldblum led. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so what happens is there's a... It starts off with a murder. Um, a, a, a guy kills his, kills his mum and his, and his sister and then kills himself. And uh, he commits suicide. Uh, or so you think. Uh, he's, then we, we find out... Then, um, is he hiding away? <laughs> we, cut, we cut to Jeff Goldblum's family sort of um, uh, around the present day sort of thing. And they are Alicia Silverstone's his daughter, and oh. they have like a bit of a tough relationship. She's like a teenager. He's just, you know he's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum being being very non Jeff Goldblum in this movie. He's not cozy. He's not sort of like creepy. He's just he's yeah. He's I sometimes forget that he 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 isn't. He has like other strings to his bow. Like he can do drama really really well. Um, but I don't think he's done it for quite some time now. Um, but in this movie, he's, he's, he's pretty good. They, they get into a car accident. He dies for two hours, but then is brought back to life by Dr. Octopus. What? Um, well, the guy who plays Dr. Octopus, but I'm going to call him Dr. Octopus. Okay. <laughs> I believe his name is... Uh... This movie took a wild twist all of a sudden. Uh, what's his name? It's um... Alfred Molina. Uh... Alfred Molina brings him back. We find out that Alfred Molina is was the dad of the kid who killed his family and himself, and he's also he also resurrected him, and using the same technology. Which basically what happens when they die is that you go into a Windows ninety five uh, screensaver, um, uh, because that is the uh, extent of the te- technology used uh, when <laughs> when going to hell or heaven. It looks like it is really bad. Um, to the point that Dean Koontz, uh, the author, did the book of this and he um, requested that his name get taken off the film. Um, <laughs> uh, Dennis Quaid's production company uh, made the film and after watching it, Dennis Quaid said, take my name off the film, please. Wow. <laughs> it's not going well. Uh, the did you other... know all this before you watched it? No, no. So I'm watching this and then... Uh, so he comes back and he's kind of like... Jeff Goldblum's like all sort of like... Um, uh, you know, he's he's fighting fit and all that stuff, but then he starts to have visions, and it's just, he basically sees through the killer's eyes. Um, but at one point, again, 
I want to start taking note of this uh, Pearl Jam mentioned in movies because he he, hey. surpri- he surprises his daughter with two Pearl Jam tickets um, and says that she has to be back by 12. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just really weird. Like they just drop him in. Like we had a, we had a mention of Pearl Jam in um, the Brady Bunch movie recently. It's just part of the lexicon now. And I find it very, very funny. Um I'm not going to tell you how it ends because it's so convoluted that, you know, it doesn't really bear repeating. I give it one star, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that you're back to star ratings, more importantly. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, I'll go on now to... I've got to say something about Man of the House. I watched this last night, so I was like, oh, I'll try and fit it in. And I was um, it was one of those ones I was, I was doing something else, but I sort of had it on the background. This is a horrible movie. This is a movie about Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement. And his mum, I believe Farrah Fawcett, uh, she is, yes, it's Farrah Fawcett. She is uh, in love with Chevy Chase, which is like in in and of itself just unbelievable. (laughs) Um, Chevy Chase is a a prosecutor, a really major one. He's just, and this, look, you forget about this by the time it makes any sense to the end. He's just closed his case against the mob. And again, we've got this, weird connection of family movie and the mob invading the suburbs and i reckon this could be a whole genre of itself like how many movies do we have mobsters breaking into houses we had it last we had it the other month with house guest um we had it with blank check we had like sort of a mob connection there it's just it's they're a... never like proper mobsters though well, and they? then i and everyone's you know at the time when good when goodfellas and godfather were released the Italian-American society came out and said that this is not a good representation of Italians in America. I would say to them, watch 90s family movies when Italian mobsters bumble into the suburbs and get like hit by pieces of wood and like, stung by bees. That is a worse representation. Like These, these movies make them look like fucking idiots. <laughs> well, uh, were they not? I don't know, that's... I don't know. I, I grew up. I found mobsters were idiots as far as I knew when I was growing up. And could be thwarted by a 10-year-old kid. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. If you want a movie where like um, a guy's, a, a guy's potentially going to be a stepdad to the kid, you have to make the kid somewhat likable. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas is not likable. He's a snarky, self-important little piece of shit. His mum has basically... <laughs> Uh, she always defends him. Does never sees it from Chevy. I actually, you know, what this movie made me made me do. It made me feel sorry for Chevy Chase, and that makes me very very upset. Wow, because he didn't. He doesn't do anything wrong in this. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas is just a little prick. And mm. I just, you know what? Fuck him. Fuck that movie. I gave it a half. I gave it half a star. Half a star. Um, and also, wow, the shocking uh, Native American racism in this film. It's basically the cornerstone of the movie is that these two join an organization full of white people, George Went being one of them, um, where they dress up as Native Americans and then do uh, like you know it's kind of like scouts or cubs or something like that. But like there's no there's 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 one Native American that um, is shown at one at one time, uh, and then they give them the, they all give each other like Indian names, and it's just it's not good. <laughs> It's really, really bad. It should be in a time capsule and and, and sent to the future. And it's like this is what we did, and this is why we turned. <laughs> this is the why we turned out the way we are. Um, let's go on to brighter, brighter pastures, and let's both talk about Tommy Boy. Yeah, 
which you gave four stars, which I think is very generous. <laughs> what did you give it? Three. Look, and it, like it that was been a three. I I, 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 I also I I went between two and a half and three for for requires because I was like. We really should give take away half a star for the amount of times the word retard is used in this film. Uh, which is twice. Mm, which I is two times too many. And then they that. said spazoid once. Spazoid. Um, There's also like a touch of fat jokes and homophobia. A touch? <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Farley's thing. That's that was Oh, I don't know if it's, it's his not thing. Good. I think I think it was I think it was put upon him. I think they were like, hey, uh, let's uh, mm. let's make light of the fact that you are really fat. Like it's 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 the cornerstone of of pretty he's, much he's every joke. Not even like I don't feel like he's he's that big in this either. Um, one Having said that, that, look, fat guy in a little coat is hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know it probably shouldn't be, but it's adorable. Apparently, it's, it was it was something that he made up just to make David Spade laugh too. Which, um, but this. The thing that I found crazy is that these two did not like each other much at all. Like they were, they were cast like they had they shared an office at Saturday Night Live. Like they were, they've been friends for for years, um, and a lot of the jokes they sort of put in this movie were from those days. But yeah, apparently uh, at one point um, they got into a, a fight because um, David Spade went out with Rob Lowe, who's also in this movie, um, and didn't invite. Well, no, they did, it's not that like they didn't invite Farley, but like Chris Farley was apparently asleep. And they didn't wake him up. And then the the next day, all throughout the day, Chris Farley just kept saying to David Spade, "How's Rob Lowe?" <laughs> and then What's the, par- the deal with Rob Lowe? Why is everyone in love with Rob Lowe in the nineties? Uh, especially though Saturday Night Live. I think he was in bed with Lorne, um, maybe figuratively or actually. Um, but like, yeah, like Lorne basically got him. He Lorne asked him to be in the movie as a favor. Like he's not actually credited in the movie as being in there and no one knew he was going to be in it until the trailer came out and stuff like that. And he did it as a favor and said like, Oh look, we need to sort of bump it up um, to get people into it. But yeah, like he's, he's really in that camp. Like he, he knows everyone there and, and everyone wants to use him sort of thing. So it was there in Wayne's world. So maybe those, those connections are there. Uh, but yeah, apparently um, kept sort of, Chris Farley kept sort of giving Davis Page shit and then Spade like, yeah, threw something at him and they got into a fist fight and, yeah, it oh was. Uh, Could you imagine seeing that? So, do you know the? <laughs> do you know I'm the sorry. the bit where they, they the David Spade's watching the the girl in the pool? Chris Farley's girlfriend. Well, Chris Farley ended up with with her, but apparently she was David Spade's friend, and David Spade had intentions, but never sort of went through with it. And then again, when Chris Farley oh. uh, got with her, it was yeah a point of contention which would be tough because now David Spade is this very try hard wannabe suave like sexy little guy yeah but in the 90s you were like the wiener of the wiener patrol yeah you were Lord <laughs> Wiener in the movie he's like I don't like you you're an awful little man <laughs> yeah like that that's what David Spade was I imagine to most people in the 90s yeah I, don't, I think it's very very close to, to how he is like off screen apparently um, uh, yeah apparently he was very uh, touchy about his hair too like he, he doesn't have the, a piece like he does in the movie but apparently uh, he his hair was pretty unmanageable and like he, he, he didn't like being people talking about it <laughs> um Weird. 
Look, it's like if you know, if you know, I mean, oh, do we have to really, like basically? Um, Brian Dennehy plays um, Chris Farley's dad in it. Uh, he gets a, a new wife, um, uh, whose son, well, at the time he thinks of the son is Rob Lowe. Uh, really, they're people who are trying to like con him out of his money. Uh, he ends up dying on his wedding day <laughs> from a heart attack, and then the company needs to uh, sell a bunch of these new. It's a very, it's a very convoluted story when you actually get into it. He's basically like his dad before he died um, made these new brake pads that would be really, really good for cars in America. Revolutionary brake pads. Yeah, and then um, so Chris Farley and Davis Wade have to go cross country to sell them. And you know what? For the first part of this movie, I thought I was getting confused with Black Sheep. I'm like, I thought this is a road movie. I was like, this is taking a long time to get on the road. And I feel I'm like, like it doesn't take that long at all. Like this, this, this moves along really, really well. Yeah, I don't know. I, and I was like, maybe because I, I remember, and I think Black Sheep, out of the two of them, I think Black Sheep I've watched more because there was bits of this. I, I don't even remember that whole, I don't remember Dan Aykroyd being in this movie at all. Um, oh, it's one of the best bits. And um, That accent. <laughs> he went full Chicago. Um, and then, um, and I, I, I always remember the bit in Black Sheep with the that the, the little cabin in the woods that they're in. Yeah, and I thought I that was in this movie. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm getting my movies crossed. Um, because I, from what I can tell, Black Sheep is like pretty much the exact same movie. Um, it's nowhere near as good though. <laughs> so, so they go on they go on this road trip and hijinks ensue. The best bit I think is when they're seeing. Um, <laughs> don't you remember you told me you love your baby? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's I found it way- wings. Richard, don't run away from your feelings. <laughs> Dowie <Don't we> Lakey. <laughs> no, the. Okay, <laughs> so there's a bit of nostalgia, sentiment versus reality here. I gave yeah. this four stars because it's better than Billy Madison. Um, it's slightly less offensive, but so a quick little tale. When we moved back to the UK in 1998, yeah. we lived in my grandma's house, eight of us, for mm. two or three months. There was oh. one video store in town. <laughs> And we rented Tommy Boy weekly, I think, because it was the best <laughs> film in there. To the point, I think I ended up buying it. Right. It was like seven pounds and I bought it, so we would just stop renting it. I don't know how many times we watched Tommy Boy over these th- three months, but no one got sick of watching it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. They might have. No one said. No one told me. So I have uh, endless, endless love and connection with this film where... I don't think I'll ever hate it. I'll maybe not laugh as much now because <laughs> I know every single thing that's about to happen. Yeah. But still, to this day, when they're about to fall asleep, <laughs> and he says, who's your favorite little rascal? <laughs> because I didn't get that joke <laughs> for like 10 years. <laughs> so then it just got even better for me once I worked it out. Oh. <laughs> It's great. Also, speaking of Billy Madison, um, when Rob Lowe first comes on the scene and there's a kid on the bus making faces and he yeah. punches the bus, <laughs> yes. that's the kid from Billy Madison, the one that yes, can't read is. properly. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Small world. I did, I did laugh. For some reason, I laughed a lot when he punches me. He's like, oh, prehistoric park. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> great. So much of this film is just, again, like... Wayne's World, Billy Madison, like it's just those little like skit type moments. Like it's just, I feel like they've got a gag and they just need to get to it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. but it's worth it. Um, I want to talk about uh, 
so a couple more films that um I watched because we're we're gonna, we're gonna end with the worst. But um, a couple of the films that I um, watched that you didn't. Um, I watched Muriel's Wedding. I hadn't like I, I'm not saying that I've never seen this film before, but I'd probably never seen it in this entirety for a while, and I forgot how much of a really it's a down. It's a, it's not even a it's not a romantic comedy. It's more of a <laughs> the opposite of that. It's it's funny in places, but it's really sad. Like and, and yeah. it's a, it's a real slice of '90s life. Like there that house that they're in not so much my house but like the amount of houses i was in in the 90s like friends and family and stuff that like had that dynamic of like you know four or five people in the living room watching this tiny ass tv watching the cricket footy and like a couple of them are smoking and like just you know just layabouts You've never felt more bored in your life yeah like i was like i was it, it really transported transported me back and look it's, it's a really i mean i think the the Obviously, most people when they watch it these days is like Muriel's mum deserves so much better. She really gets screwed in that film, and like it's the sad, sad story. Um, it makes you hate Bill Hunter even more uh, because, like you know, in some films he comes up and he's a, he's a nice guy, but in this film he's like the worst. And he he also, for me, there's so many people that I have heard about or have known in my life who he was that guy. Like everyone thinks he's a good guy. Like he's a the Aussie battler and lots of stuff, but like at home he's like horrible to his kids and like even worse to his wife. But you know, everyone that just comes just like Priscilla. Yeah, everyone that sort of comes up to him's like, Oh, um, you know, he's the best. Like he's always like shaking hands and stuff and it's like he just like every time he was on screen, I was just like, Oh, fuck off. Uh you know my only memory of this film like I've I've watched it a few times since childhood. Yeah. But this gave me fear of paralyzing people during intercourse. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was a legitimate thing growing up. Like, if you had sex with someone too badly, they will be paralyzed. Yeah, there is, there is like... And the thing is, I, I read a couple of reviews in Letterboxd, and I do agree with one of them. One, like, the, the pacing of this film is, like, f- weird. Like, there's just shit that happens all of a sudden. Like, yeah, Rachel Griffith's character, like, gets paralyzed after she has sex with two guys. And, um, you know... I we never see like the the guy that um, Muriel Muriel meets in the video store, um, who she should have ended up with, and I hope I hope in some you know postscript story she does. We never see he and he and he goes to her wedding in the end, and he's like crying and getting upset. And I'm like, why are you here? Why were you invited? <laughs> it's really really weird. Um, but yeah, look, I gave it three and a half stars. It, it is worth watching, wow. and it's a good. Good slide. Like, I don't give a lot of love to Australian movies. Like, I don't, to be honest, I don't like a lot of them. Um, but I think in rewatching a lot, a, a few of them, I've, I've got a, a new love. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch The Sum of Us, but I reckon I will watch it at some point because that's apparently a pretty pivotal film, especially in Russell Crowe's career. It might, it might make, make me like him more. <laughs> and, and for mid 90s Australia to be taking like a, a gay stance. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and Jack wanted... Thompson, who's like the golden boy of Australian television. Yeah, yes, he is. <laughs> Him and Bill Hunter should just like they could just be, like throughout the nineties and the two thousands, like we'll we'll just one of them will rock up in the movie and we'll get paid for a few days' work, and it's like that's just easy money. Um, I've got to talk about Outbreak. <laughs> we have ah oh, Renee. We have one of the yeah we have one of the first um, instances of the spacey effect where you know can we separate and like in this film I think you can and like I did say to my wife because my wife watched it with me um, 
I I did say that, and obviously this this can't sound shitty, but I was like, I used to like him so much. Like mm-hmm. I'll go out of my way to watch movies with him in it because I I found him so good. And now it's like, I just can't. Yeah, I like I'll I'll still watch the movies. And I, there's, I mean, there's a couple coming up this year that I, I really want to see. But yeah, it does take a bit of the luster out of it because like you just um, he you know. was he was one of the best. Like, yeah. And even um, shitty films like Negotiator, you would watch and you would enjoy because Kevin Spacey was so good. Yeah, yeah, we're really going into like into the, the his 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 boom period. So, um, but getting away from that, um, it's oh, look, this movie still holds up. Um, and I will go so far as to say that one of the most horrible scenes that I've ever seen in a movie, uh, bar none, is when an infected person goes into the movie theater and coughs. And then the camera takes us on a whirlwind tour of his phlegm going through everyone's mouth and then coming out again. And then like, it is like, I watched it and my wife was like, you look like you're going to throw up. <laughs> it is for a, for a, I would say, you know, slight germaphobe <laughs> like me. Yes. It is shocking and horrible and just something that I don't want to, I, I I'll put it up on the Instagram because, like, you know, everyone else should suffer too. Um, but, yeah, like, especially in this time, because I, I, I avoided watching this um, ever since, like, COVID because I was like, I know that it's going to probably, <laughs> um, you know, it, it might it might uh, start to freak me out sort of thing. I think, like, I'm at the point now where I can watch it and, 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 and separate it. Yeah, so they're, in Zaire, they um, they find this virus um, this uh, in, a, in a remote village, and uh, it's quite fast moving it, it's uh it, it kills people really really quickly and uh there's a really sad scene at the start where these people think there's um people coming to help them like the army's coming to help them and then it just drops a bomb in the entire village and it's like you feel that <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. when the people just see they think the care they think a care package is being dropped and then they realize realize it's a bomb and it just wipes everything out it's just uh very very full on. Um, then we get we get Mr. Um, McDreamy from uh, from Crazy Anatomy. No way! Um, I did not know he was in that. Yeah, he's the one that he basically it's 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 all because of him. Um, so he like so the, there's these people who capture exotic pets, and um, he he meets this guy at the um, the airport and grabs the monkey, one of the Motaba monkeys. And takes it to this um, small pet store in um, California, where. Uh, but then, uh, at, on the way there, the monkey spits water in his face, and obviously infects him. And then, when he's at the, um, the pet store, he scratches the pet store owner, and then that infects him. And we see uh, him. Big Dreamy goes on a plane, and he looks messed up. <laughs> There's a bit yeah, where a I do kid, remember this. Where a kid tries to grab his cookie that he's that he that he took a part of and you think like the kid's gonna take it and then the mum's like, No no, don't touch that and then like you look at McDreamy and he's just like oh looks like he's just his eyes are a little red and he's sweaty and then he meets his girlfriend at the airport and like kisses her and I'm like, Don't don't kiss her <laughs> And it's yeah. just and it's like I I'm doing this like I'm like it's it's like a a, a slasher stalker movie except it's just people with the virus unknowingly passing it on to other people. I'm like, no, don't touch them. No, don't go in there. <laughs> and my wife's like, oh, you're right. And I'm like, yes, it's just. Ah. 
Um, there's a bit where Dustin Hoffman's like says like, oh, um, go to the, go down to the hospital and see. Don't wear a mask and see more clearly. I'm like, yes, wear masks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just obviously with what we've we're still currently going through. It's it's it hits home probably a bit harder than it would have before. Um, it's still a really good, well balanced movie. Like it it really keeps cracking along. We've got Cuba Gooding Jr. in there. We've got Morgan Freeman. We've got some Donald Sutherland for the 27th time this year already. Um, cast. I mean, yeah. we got the Spacey and Russo. Uh, um, bangers. We've got... Uh, so they they wanted they wanted Harrison Ford for it and he, he nearly did it, but then he, he um, decided to do something else. And then so we... we they, would, they, they definitely wanted an Everyman, which I think was really good. So they got Dustin Hoffman for it. Uh, and then, like, even even in, like the um, supporting actors, like if you go through, like it's basically got all the all the '90s supporting actors that you could think of, and it's they've just put them into this one nice little package and um, made them all sick. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you ever if you do get a chance, I don't believe it's streaming anywhere, but like it's definitely <laughs> worth your while. Um, I actually found I I realized that I actually owned a copy, so I was like, oh, I'll think, I believe I'll keep that. Um, and show it to my kids one day and freak them out. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the last one we want to talk about is uh, <laughs> Tank Girl. Uh, because I had seen this years ago. I never watched it since. Mm. I knew there was weird kangaroo people in it. I knew that it had a good soundtrack. Um, but I didn't realize how bad it really was until I watched it. Uh, I happen to know that you also share this. Uh, I just, <laughs> this... firstly, I just want to say. I fully understand and respect if you'd watched this mm -hmm. and it came out and you're in that period of your life and you, oh, man. you know, even like if you're a teenage girl, especially, yes, this is probably speaking to you and there's, there's going to be a lot of love there for it. And I, I fully condone and respect yeah. the emotion towards this film. Um, personally, it is the worst thing I've seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> and why they had a bunch of black actors play kangaroos and turn them white um, is quite concerning, I think. And not but... addressed ever, really. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever said like, hey, watch that. Because like, it took me a while to work out that was iced tea. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, I can sort of hear it now. And then there was, um, um, I forgot the other guy's name that's really good and stuff. And he was... Um, oh, talk about the um, uh, Reggie Cathy. Uh, Cathy. He's um, yes. yeah, he's been in a few um, movies. I, th I believe he was in. Um, wasn't he in Airheads? Uh, Maybe yes. He's um, been around a lot. Anyway, um, if you've never seen it, oh, continue. Should we go to through? You. you know what? I don't even know if I can really. Um, uh, it's. <laughs> It takes place in a world where there's no there's, where water and power are like a, a valuable valuable commodity. It's basically what they use as currency. Um, there's an evil guy called Malcolm McDowell, which basically wants control over all water and power. It's the um, opposite of Waterworld. Yeah, yeah. It's it's water. It's dry world. Bizarre um, world. Bizarre water bizarre. world. <laughs> and um, Laurie Petty plays a um, girl named uh, Rebecca. Um, who is part of like a bunch of rebel outliers in this one part of the desert that Malcolm Dow wants. Apparently there's like a, a big water deposit underneath them and, and Malcolm Dow wants that. So he wants to clear out everyone. Uh, Rebecca's kind of like, you know, let's just call her Tank Girl. Um, she, she is the... Um, she is good though. Like, She is good, yeah. And, and they do sort of um, do stuff to sort of um, 
to fight back against the 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 bad guys. Um, I like strange... the use. Oh, sorry, sorry, go on. no, go on. I do like I, I do like the the look of the soldier. I know that it was because it, like they literally look like they've like it, it. This has a whole feel of high school college production. Yeah, that got like slightly more money because like the the visors they've got on there is just basically like bits of mesh metal that they've like made to look like a like a, a visor, and it's just like look like VI headsets almost. Yeah, yeah, and it's like um, and like I don't get my my thing too is all these people are way too pretty to be in a world with no water. Um, but where like know. this is, I know it's not like a plot point. It's all about, you know, them stealing water from this poor little group. But what's it even for? You're in the desert. There's no city around. There's no, like, no. mansion. You're not getting these riches. They seem to live in a power station where they just hoard water and yeah. live off it. There's no there's no real... Um, and they're all smoking weed. And that's what they're using water for, too. Like, they're sort of making sure they've still got crops of weed and stuff like that in the basement. Um she uh, there's a there's a little girl on it for some reason um obviously there's you know just as like a plot point sort of thing who gets kidnapped um so yeah she they basically kidnap that girl and then like they go to like the evil um Malcolm Dowell's like evil lair sort of thing um i do like uh some of the back and forth between him and Tank Girl that was kind of cool. Apparently he really loved his time on on this movie. He's 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 talked about it with with great fondness, so I don't know. <laughs> I suppose that's something. Um uh so but there's there's these things called rippers. And they basically think that like these rippers are like demons in the desert like they're just like they they literally rip people apart. Um and what you find out that the rippers are <laughs> Because now my wife was watching it with me, and she was just like, and she she bowed out. She couldn't do the entire thing, which I've got full uh, respect for. That's that's fine. Yeah. Um, but she's like, "What are they?" I said, "Like, oh, I believe it's some sort of kangaroo thing." And she's like, "No, it's not." And then you find out <laughs> that they got they basically tried to make this super soldier thing, and they used kangaroo DNA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is just insane um and okay so the thing is is that there's this one guy that she's quite um what's his name cooper or booger 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 is um is is one of the the ripper kangaroo dudes and she has sex with him (laughs) it's not overtly said but there's like a bit of build up and then there's like an obvious aftermath and I look, you know, if you're gonna tease us that much, you gotta show us the the weird kangaroo sex. Um especially when I found out that there was a was a eight or ten foot prosthetic penis made that would cost five thousand dollars um for Booger. And Inches? we didn't get to s- it was a big one. And I wanted to see it. Like I like not in a way of like, you know actually no, in a way of just like, ooh, I wanna see a, what a kangaroo ripper penis looks like. Looks like. I'm hoping it's inches. I'll find out. You you this know weekend. you know that Shaq's not eight foot tall, right? Oh I you must be inches though. <laughs> Sorry. Alright. No, there's no that, there's, that's why they got look. kangaroos in their film. Maybe it's just wishful thinking because there's no actual uh, length put into the into the description I've got here. I don't know where I got inches and stuff like that from. Anyway, I want to see it. 
is 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 the is the um I want to see how much they paid to have Porter's Heads roads in this film. Look, they because it was a big the, budget. Film clip. I mean, sorry, the soundtrack to this film is the one of the best things about it. like people. Like, and this this goes into that whole Judgment Night thing. Like we've got decent like decent soundtracks for really really shitty movies, and it's just like, um, uh, what's the thing? I, I do I did read one um, trivia bit where. Apparently they wanted Green Day on the soundtrack, but by the time they finished it, Green Day had broken through and then they couldn't afford them. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to know uh, what Booger looks like without the makeup on, he plays the pilot that takes Mortar and Scully up to the ice station in ice. Oh. Um, I thought I'd seen that actor before. Oh. Uh, but the Tank Girl soundtrack, um, look, you've got <laughs> one of the weirdest uh, trivia bits I saw was the the first song over the 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 um the credit sequence is the girl you want by Devo but it doesn't sound like the original version of it but then you find out that Soundgarden had done a version of the girl you want but the movie couldn't afford their version so they asked Devo to re-record their version to make it sound like the Soundgarden version uh. <laughs> It sounds like this production company is just wasting money on things it couldn't afford, so it got slightly less yep. expensive versions. You've got Björk, you've got L7, you've got Hole, Porter's Head, Paul Westerberg, Belly, Veruca Salt. Um, Ice-T obviously gets his um, <laughs> gets his on there because, you know, that would be part of his contract. Apparently someone uh, um, a few years later gave an interviewer on TV gave Ice-T shit for this movie and IT just looked at him and said, I've got paid $800,000 for that movie. Wow. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Which, you know, well, you know, if you're going to take away his, uh, if you're going to make him a white kangaroo, I would want that sort of compensation. That's insane. Um, did you notice that there was bits where there was, um, they used, instead of doing it in the film, they did animated sequences? Yeah, like the cartoon bits were really good. They should have yeah, done the whole film you, like that. Yeah, that's what. And but you know, the reason that that, that they're in there is because uh, apparently they forgot to film some bits, so they went back to the Tank Girl creators and said, "Hey, we forgot to put the stuff that you put in the script into the movie. Can you animate them?" Jesus. And they're like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> it's just a complete shambles. It's a warring. It's a warring state of affairs. Uh, so, um, look. Well, do you want to do uh, best movie now, or do you want to wait to the end? No, I also want to mention the other worst film of the month. Oh, what have we got? Oh, Candyman. 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 Don't say it two more times. Okay. Um, I There's did not, not a lot get to a chance say. to see this. It's not very good. Yeah, uh, it, it was on a streaming service that I wasn't. I, was, I wasn't going to like subscribe to it to get to it. So I was like, uh. <laughs> look, there's um, there's a budget Stephen Fry. Um, <laughs> there's some B-grade actors that you're going to see constantly throughout the 90s. Uh, there's another woman who's losing her mind and being stalked by Candyman, not being murdered by him. Um, no one believing her, more people dying. Flesh? Uh, there's a lot of flesh, there's a lot of bees. I don't. I couldn't find if he was getting sting money again on this or not. <laughs> so if you want to know what that means, apparently on the original Candyman that he got paid, um, what was it like? $1,000 per sting. Yeah, you got an extra twenty three thousand dollars. <laughs> um, and there's a lot more bees in this, so I would assume he's sticking with that. 
Let's have a look at the uh, character actors in this. Um, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not great. It's just another Candyman adventure. It's just another, you know, murdering film. Um, it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, one and a half stars is maybe a bit harsh, but it's just, it's not that great. Um, my biggest issue that now that I've seen it, I cannot unsee is how he hooks them. Mm. Because he comes up behind people and he thrusts his hook hand through them Yes. And all of a sudden, his hook is outside, and then like he he pulls up and tears them apart. I don't know what you know about hooks. They're <laughs> rounded, like a hook. <laughs> so unless like you're scooping it like sideways backwards, and then scooping upwards to hook in, he's essentially putting a rounded piece of metal through someone's body and not using the pointy hook end at all. <laughs> It's like he should Why be called, he um, it should be yeah, he should be spearhand. Spear yeah, he should have a spear or, or a saw. Um but yeah, look. Um I don't know whether they were looking that deeply into it. Although don't tell Tony Todd that because like he seems very intense about everything he's ever done ever. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry, Tony. <laughs> you you hook away. Um so uh did you want to do your favourite film? Uh it's not star wise, but I think I need to give it to Once for Warriors. Really? Yeah. No, no Tommy Boy love there. Or... There's a lot of Tommy Boy love, but I think as far as films go, um, Once yeah. for Warriors is a better film and a more important film, and I need to put my nostalgia and sentiment love aside, just mm -hmm. briefly. I'm gonna have to give mine to Outbreak because I had the most fun watching that. Gross. Yeah. Look, I, I. I don't like that I did that. I don't like that I said that. But um, I'm a sucker for 90s action movies. And I've watched this film quite a lot back in the day. And oh no, it's just... Russo. Let's give it all to Russo. It kept me, it kept me engaged. And, uh, so yeah, before we get on to TV, we're going to do the, uh, the box office numbers. Uh, so true to what I just said, Outbreak went number one. For March 1995 in America. Man of the House got number two, which is fucking frightening. Yeah, <laughs> the Brady Bunch movie still hanging on. on. Uh, Just Cause was in there. And then Pulp Fiction came back into the top five, I'm assuming, from the from the Oscars hype. So, oh, yeah. Um, so that's, that's made its way back in. In, the, in Australia, uh, we had Stargate. as um, Now, in this one is not top five. It's just what was number one um, throughout the weeks of March. So we had Stargate. Legends of the Fall and Dumb and Dumber, um, which I believe held number one for a while. So, um, which that that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go on to TV. So, um, in Australia, we had a show called Sky Trackers. I know don't know whether you ever remember that. Um, I do. I do remember. I'll I'll chuck up the. Um, Is it aliens? The, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll chuck up the 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 intro on um, Instagram so we can all walk down nostalgia lane together once again. Uh, but I really wanted to get into some of the um, uh, shows that kicked off in America in 1995. One of my all-time favorite shows. I I will actually say, right now, 
um, probably up with Frasier as one of my best uh, situation comedies ever, was News Radio, um, which first premiered in 1995 in March. And if you don't know what News, news Radio is, uh, it takes uh, place in a, in a radio station in New York. Um, you had Dave Foley um, as the uh, the new station um, uh, station head. Uh, you, the best thing about it was Phil Hartman um, had um, was was one of the presenters. He plays uh, like a really sort of up himself uh, presenter called um, Bill. Uh, we also had Stephen Root, who one of my favorite actors of all time. He played Jimmy James. Um, he played the station owner. Uh, always came in with like he's always got some sort of weird, weird, weird little sort of thing going on. Um, unfortunately, we had Andy Dick in it. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, every show in the nineties needed an Andy Dick type, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I can't believe I, I didn't say um, uh, Bill's full name, Bill McNeil. Um, there's an episode. I think it's the second or third episode in called Smoking. It's probably one of the best sitcom episodes of TV ever. Uh, it's basically where Bill agrees to quit smoking if Dave agrees to quit coffee. And I've watched that at certain parts of my life, all through, probably since, ever since I, I got a recorded version of it. Um, it's just amazing. Um, and just look, I think, unfortunately, until um, up until um, Phil Hartman's death, uh, I think in 1997, it just showed how good he was, and he didn't really get a lot. I mean, he got a lot of he got a bit of um, acclaim on on Saturday Night Live, but this really let him spread his wings a bit, and he was just a joy to watch. It's, it's fantastic. It's unfortunately also got Joe Rogan in it, really. <laughs> but there's no, but there's no conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, this is his first yeah. um, acting role. He plays the basically like the handyman um, in the show. So, uh, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of there's also Patrick Warburton. What? Patrick Warburton was in some. Ah, uh, yeah, he towards the end, and yeah. then we also we had some Lovitz um, yeah. uh, coming in as well. Uh, he came in after um, he came in more regularly after Bill. Um, oh, after Phil Hartman passed away. As I said, it's it's pretty um, up there. Like you know, I I, I count that that and Spin City, Frasier, um, as as some of my favorite uh, sitcoms to go back to and watch. It's just very very funny they they have a lot of um really good nerd humor there's a lot of star wars references um and just like the people writing for it even the guy who created it um paul sims he thought he was going to get cancelled every week so he he tended to be a bit edgier um than um other shows out the time so if you ever get a chance please please watch it it's it's so good um i missed that show it was a good time so good uh we also had sliders now sliders <laughs> for which i will pay i'll play um the because i forgot the theme song to it and i'm gonna pay you the theme song this is kind of like the amazing intro Is this what you think of when I send you songs on GarageBand? <laughs> <laughs> you just put a bunch of noises together. I um, 
that is some classic 95 credit sequences like seriously it's just so good like because like it's got that sort of intense techno music going on but you know the the bit where they go to each characters and they kind of like they they captured a scene where they're, they're kind of turning to the camera and smiling oh god <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> um we should like i i need to really uh, maybe i won't go on too much because this is a pretty long episode anyway but like at some point we gotta do a deep dive on like when credit sequences stopped because one thing mm. i don't know about you but one thing i've noticed like when i've watched all these 90s movies is i'm like oh okay i've got a good three minutes here where i can go get a drink because the credit sequence is on and nothing else is happening it's just music and a black screen and names yep. going up in there it's so weird i don't know when someone decided to go hey let's do that at the end <laughs> Or let's put something underneath that to keep people interested. Let's start the film when the film starts. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really really weird. Um, I you know, and I look, I miss a good '90s credit sequence. Sometimes it's good. It's like Slides wasn't Slides was terrible, but <laughs> um, yeah. I and I, I, I don't know. look if you've never seen Sliders, basically, as <laughs> as was said by Jerry O'Connell, Jerry O'Connell is a slider. Um, not a little burger. No, Jerry. Okay, I think I've taught this. I don't know whether he said this on the on the um, podcast and all, but Jerry O'Connell to me strikes me as someone I don't like. But then, for all intents and purposes, from what I've heard, is a really decent guy. Yeah, um, and same. I believe it's because of of his roles in like stuff like Tomcats and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, you're a turd. But I don't think that's actually a, like he just plays a turd really well. I think in real life, he's actually quite quite nice. Yeah, um, I'm yet to hear any Hoffman stories about him, at least, so that's nice. <laughs> okay. Um, we also, unfortunately, have John Reese davies in this. <laughs> What's wrong with that? We talked about, we talked about him before. Oh, that one. I was thinking of... Um, yeah, Salah. The, the Welsh one. You know, you know, the guy who plays a Middle Eastern person, then but just doesn't actually like Middle Eastern people. <laughs> who's who's the guy. other guy? Who's the guy that's in Notting Hill or something? The Welsh guy. Is this uh, is not Reese Davis as well, or is it? That's Reese. Reese. Oh, that's Reese. That's Reese Athens. Oh, or Reese Athens <laughs> or whatever. That was way off. <laughs> yeah, you were. Oops. Um, it's also this one's also got Kari Wurra in that, and if you don't, if you know who Kari Wurra is, then yeah, salute to you. <laughs> What's that yeah. supposed to mean? Kari Wurra was uh was a. Uh, she popped up in quite a lot 90s. in nineties. She she popped up quite a lot in like uh, genre films in the nineties and early two thousands. And um, yeah, <laughs> she was in one. I think in oh fuck what um, no doubt. She wasn't in no doubt. No, no, she wasn't in no doubt. How many times do you think that it was um the um girl from Gwen Stefani and Tank Girl? <laughs> uh, it was. Come on. <laughs> Same, same. Also, it's just no. I'm not going back to it. But like those, like those really weird, like um, costume change, like um, montages that she does in that film is just. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what that film just. It confuses me. Uh, so let's go on to uh, so in oh, actually, before I go on to uh, uh, our long running segment, um, SNL. We're we're big SNL fans here. Paul Reiser, uh hosted with Annie Lennox as the musical guest and then John Goodman for like I'm thinking like 
the eighth or ninth time. <laughs> uh, he was on with a tragically. Nah, he hit. doesn't have a jacket, does he? He does. No, does I'm he? pretty sure he's one. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he's like. I'm pretty sure he's above the five timers. I'm pretty sure he's like up to nearly ten. Get out of here. Nah, he because I remember him saying. Yeah, I, and I just think that I think he gelled really well with like the performers. So, um, but yeah, he was on with a tra- tragically hip, which I thought you'd uh... twelve times. Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew it was up there. Wow. They're not going to give him another one because Steve Martin has a record of thirteen. So. <laughs> They're not going to take that away from Steve. You can't, and you can't take that away from Steve because no. Steve's got. I mean, I don't know. Again, one of those persons that people are like, I, I don't know whether he's a nice person offset, but mm. I don't know. He strikes me as someone who could be very mean. <laughs> Speaking of someone who can be very mean, yeah, let's uh, guess the name. Oh yeah, we didn't guess the name. Um, we talking about Conan O'Brien. He can't be mean. <laughs> yeah, he can. Um, Did you not watch his doco? Uh, so we didn't guess names when um, Ben goes through every guest that was on the Conan O'Brien Light Show Conan O'Brien uh, and he does it to the tune of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel the greatest uh, spokesman of our generation Oof, that's, um, that's a bit much mm-hmm. okay. let me just get my trusty stopwatch up which uh, you, you'll always beat because I don't want to get cocky here but um, there's no shows past March 24th so Oh, I, should, I should cut this down to 30, but whatever. I, I should be. All right, you ready? But I've also got a scroll that I'm dealing with here that is a bit sticky. Sticky scroll? Okay. Yeah, a cool. little bit. My right, fingers well, are getting clammy now. I'm getting tense. Mm. How's the tune go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, three, two, one, go. <laughs> Arika, Kevin McDonald, Richard Benjamin, Pat Finn, Dweezil, Amit Zappa, John Tesh, DB Sweeney, Alexander Paul, Jasmine Guy, Lieber, and Stola. Orsini, Jennifer Tilly, and Tim Busfield, and Tori Spelling, Kevin Mitney, Terry Hatcher, and Jerry Springer, Valerie Harper, Harry Shearer, Donny Osmond, Nigel Hawthorne, Richard Preston, Susan Summers, Chris O'Donnell, Paul Reiser, Luke Gossett Jr., Colin Quinn, Ba-a-a-a Barker, Juliana, Margulies, Joan Rivers, Mark Carey and Will Smith, Jeffrey Lyons, Holly Robinson, Bob Eubanks, Brian Dennehy, David Arquette, David Branner, Laura Layton, David Cross. That's it. I'm done. Four. Yes. You know what? Like sometimes one. I wonder whether you'd practice this before it because sometimes it just it happens so nice that you get like a a name that you can like elongate for the if we didn't start the fire like Jennifer like Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> And some of them are like, have you seen practice this in front of a mirror? But then there's some where I'm like, but uh 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 up. Let's get on the music. This was uh, right there in the Australian charts. Do you know what it is yet? <laughs> no. Mortal Kombat? It's very disturbing. Is it another song that I made on Garage Band? Yeah, but DJ, let the bass drum go like... <laughs> 
That is here's Johnny by Hocus Pocus. I see a tip and... coming. Oh gosh. <laughs> Let it die. <laughs> um Hey, dude, dude, we didn't guess the name to that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> so we had um, so uh, carrying over from um, the Aria charts, we had um, we had Real McCoy with Another Night, which is nice. Another night, and oh. then they said, "No, we don't want that anymore. We want this." <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's nosebleed inducing is what it is. It's fucking horrible. Always hated it, always will. And Madonna Take a Bow was on the Billboard charts. Um, um, and I would, I, would, I would take Madonna Take a Bow over this. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to ruin the fun, but before we go into the releases, I imagine you wanted to mention this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I'm listening. He's- you seem to hate it, but you can't stop playing it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm listening. What, what do you want? Um, <laughs> I think you almost mentioned this in advance, but then it was sad. So <laughs> Sorry, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention the less sad one now. <laughs> okay, cool. You keep uh, technoing me faces. Um, I almost mentioned this last month. I kind of mentioned it. Mike Watt's tour began... Uh, with Hovercraft and Foo Fighters at his openers and, like, band members. Jeez. Man. Which, like, it's not, like, huge news, but if you liked Eddie Vedder or the Foo Fighters, this is this would have been a cool time to be alive. And Maybe they were just they were what, playing tiny clubs. That's what started, like, the whole infighting in Belgium. It was like, ah, oh, you're going on tour. <laughs> you're just going to go be a drummer now? Okay. Yeah. You're going to fire a drummer, <laughs> and then you're going to go be a drummer this does not look good for us. No, wasn't he? Wasn't he a guitar? He was, oh no! In Hover, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Yes, yeah, so, uh, his girlfriend at the band's time, Hovercraft, he played drums for. Yeah, and toured with Mike Watt, and uh, would have been quite a thing to be a part of, I imagine. Oh man, can you imagine that? It's like <laughs> the support band's got Eddie Vedder on drums, and you're like, oh man. And then um, imagine you, you leave reckon, but, and you miss were out. They, oh. Sorry, were they open about that though? Were they like, was it well documented that he was on drums, or was it a thing of like you sort of whispers from city to city, like, oh, have you do you know that like that Hovercraft band's got? Yeah, I think it was a more if you know, you know type thing. Like you'd find right, out, okay. like yeah, it would have spread, but it wasn't like Hovercraft featuring Eddie Vedder. <laughs> <laughs> but then to rock up, like, one. the amount of people that would go just to see Eddie. Yeah. And then you end up seeing Mike Watt, who's like this legend of the music scene in the 80s, basically. And yeah, then Sandwich in Between happens. is one of the best bands of the late 90s, really. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That, that would have been pretty cool. Um, on a crapper note, um, mm. which is what I, I think you didn't want to mention in events, was the murder of Selena. Yes, so um, I was going to do that in the events, and then I thought I was doing too many sad events. <laughs> yeah, um, but did you did you looked into this a little bit? Um, and I I didn't want to overlook it because I know it's such a huge thing for so many people. Um, I okay. never really knew her, knew of her, but I know like the we influence she's had, we... and yeah, yeah. But at the time, uh... like, I I didn't know who Selena was when she became this resurgence in the last ten years of people acknowledging her and covering her and. 
was like, oh, fuck, what, what is all this about? Um, but yeah, it's a really, really bad story. Yeah, so what happened was um, she was actually murdered by the, the president of a fan club, um, essentially. like She found out that uh, they were stealing money from her <laughs> and then um, like basically fired her or, or kicked her out of the fan, the fan club. And then she came back and, and murdered her in a hotel. Um, and so there's, I mean, obviously, like we're, we're kind of um, glossing over a lot of a lot of details, but she was obviously and the, she she'd been so she basically came to her and said like she had um she'd been raped and like so Selena was quite um caring sort of thing, so she took her to a hospital and they kind of said like oh well she she seems really unbalanced at the moment, so like you know. Um, uh, um, you know, be be aware of that. She seems quite depressed, sort of thing. And then um, they went to a yeah, went to a hotel, and then uh, people from the outside said they heard two people arguing. And then um, because she found out that this um this woman had taken money from from the fan club funds, lots of stuff, then she was shot. And uh, Selena uh did she she punctured it punctured an artery. Um, but she still chased her basically into the lobby, um, and then she yelled out after her, but then sort of collapsed and, and died. Uh, um, but then, um, yeah. So, and she was actually after she was shot, she was she was she was alive for a, for a while. But like, yeah, it was quite a a, a big scene, and um, it was um, um, to add even more insult to it is, uh, did you hear what happened with Howard Stern afterwards? Yeah. So a few days after um, Selena's murder, Howard Stern came out and said, um, "She," he said, "Her music does absolutely nothing for me. Alvin and the Chipmunks have more soul. Spanish people have the worst taste in music. They have no depth." Then he played one of her songs with gunshots in the background, um, which is just the like I, I can't imagine. Like this is the thing, like because heaps of these shock jocks back in the nineties did this shit and like nowhere near got the consequence that they should have got. And it happened over and over again. And some, most of the time, the same people. Like, Howard Stern did so many shitty things. And it, yet, just like everyone was like, yep, that's just him. Okay, yeah. moving on. And it's just ridiculous how... And then he, um, they did go on um, Leno. I mean, Leno's never going to hardball anyone. Um, <laughs> he's like the softest ball in the fucking room. <laughs> um, so they, they never sort of said anything about it. But um, apparently uh, some... Uh, uh, Certain retailers took um, uh, wouldn't wouldn't accept the um, they, they removed products from the show that were um, uh, advertised on on Howard Stern, um, especially in Texas where there's like you know obviously a, a heavy Latino community, and yeah, it's it's quite a thing that happened, and um, the aftermath was just horrible. But yeah, um, she's there has been a bit of a resurgence in the last few years, and uh, there's obviously like her influences. Uh, widespread to like not even not even just Latino um, artists and, and community, but also just for everyone. So uh, yeah, a horrible thing that happened, and uh, you know, another thing where you know maybe people shouldn't have ready access to guns. But, hmm, you know. Perhaps yes. So going on to the um, I can't I can't get back to uh, playing techno now. Um, oh, oh no, <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> uh so going on to um uh the the releases um there's there's a lot okay so we're gonna go we got um 
The Cardigans, Mike the Mechanics, Radiohead, Matthew Sweet, Mad Season, uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Collective Soul, Elastica, Moby, Tupac, Annie Lennox, Sleeper, Monster Magnet, Stevie Wonder, Elton John, Railroad Jerk, Morphine, Silverchair, uh, Red House Painters, Smog, Wilco, Faith No More, Mud Honey, Juliana Hatfield, uh, Suddenly Tammy, The Presence of the United States of America, Archers of Loaf, Joan Osborne, The Boo Radleys, and that is a big chock-a-block month of music. And the Tea Party. And the Tea Party, which I didn't put on there because I don't like the Tea Party. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's it's that Temptation song. (laughs) Ah, Coming Home. Oh, I hate the Tea Party so much. I don't know why. He's just like... I don't like his voice. His voice is a little bit uh, Scott Stapp. But he was doing it before Scott Stapp was doing it. So I don't think that counts. No one should be doing it at all. Uh, Look, there's a lot here. Um, What I wanted was... I was thinking thinking about the... Yeah, you're not swinging me. I just like a little bit of fancy guitar. Hmm. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to do this like sort of compactly. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, I was sort of just going to go through. Um, so the Cardigans, I didn't really have much to, you know, I, it's not loveful. So I didn't really sort of listen to it a lot. But yeah, you, can like see where they, you can definitely see where they're going. It's, it's very nice. It's very nice pop. Oh, I liked it. Um, Mike and the Mechanics, I always... I, it's one of those things like I don't know. I always forget about them, and then I'm like, "Oh, they did that song. Oh, they did that song." The living years, the living years. But also, I, I, didn't, I also kind of like "Over My Shoulder," and that's actually one of the most um, popular songs on Spotify. So, what do you do? Um, Radiohead, <laughs> the Benz. Um, I looked into, a little bit, a little bit into this. Radiohead, okay, okay and I, I look. Radiohead, I've mentioned before. I'm not the biggest fan of. I've tried to get more into them. Um, like another band on this list, uh, Faith No More, I find the members of the band fucking irritating. But, no, but we're going to gonna point, put that aside. To, no, to the point that like it affects the music for me. And I'm trying to do that less and less. Um, but I find um, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood just like the, the dickest of dicks. When um, we came back to Pablo Honey, we we're going to start mm-hmm. with Radiohead from the start. And you liked okay. Pablo Honey. You liked it in parts. I did. And the bends is a a very nice progression from that. Yeah. And not to spend too much time on it, but I think it's only really his voice that separates it. This seems like such a good step from grunge. Like it's not that far removed from grunge. Like it's a good progression on from where grunge was and where it was going. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they kind of noodle around with like new, um, like not with samples as much, obviously as they get into sort of thing, but like, um, and there, there was one quote I saw where it's like when they, if if the song all the song called for was um, Tom York's vocals, guitar and bass, then they just left it. So because why fuck with that sort of thing? And like, yeah. there's 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 a bunch of stripped back songs in this um uh this album. I didn't realize that they don't like High and Dry. <laughs> Apparently, they hate that song. Um, apparently it was like a radio, I mean, um, a record company, uh, they, they heard it and they're like, we need that for the single. I so, hope they also hate fake plastic trees because I certainly do. 
um, the rest been... of it is amazing though. But yeah. having said that, I can see why people would think they all sound the same because it's not. It's not even that. It's it's just it's literally just the way like um, it's the bends. Um, it's not even that. It's 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 literally just stuff I've heard about them in concerts and in 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 interactions with fans and stuff like that. I just find, and look, I'm gonna group it together. But like, it seems to be like British bands that do it more than others. Like they just tend to think they're so much more elevated. English people yeah. are not people. People, <laughs> they never have been. They never will be. Um, moving on, I actually I really like Matthew Sweet. Um, I listened to that quite a bit. Uh, this is one that's called Sick of Myself. Um, um, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's Paul Rock right there, my friend. I did not even, not give it a second. I'd always heard, like, um, his name mentioned, I think when it was the last, um, when the last uh, album came out in 1993, he, he seems to be on all these like playlists for 90s songs and I'd never heard of him before. And like that, that album, I was like, yeah, I could take, take a leave. This one, 100% Fun, was actually, I wouldn't say it's 100% Fun, I was like, yeah, <laughs> 74% Fun was, was pretty good. Um, and then we got this. Which, look. God, he's good. Hard uh, contender for Song of the Week. This is Hard River of Deceit by Mad Season. There's a couple on here as well, though. I know. It's just so nice. So, Mad Season, now I was going to say, could you give me more background to Mad Season? Like, all I know that it was like a super group. I had Lane Staley from Alison James, I had Mike McCree from Belgium, and a couple of people that I'm not, I'm maybe. Was there a uh, Lanigan in there? <laughs> there's no Lanigan. The the drummer from the Lanigan, um, the Screaming okay. Trees drummer. Yep. Um, now, what? Why was this? Um, why were they made? Was this like a like a? Because um, I know this is pretty peak time for both McCready and Staley to be sort of on drugs, or maybe it was like a non-drug time. I don't know. Yeah. So this is when McCready went into rehab. Okay. And he met uh, the bass player he met a guy from like other seattle bands um i can't remember what band he went on to be in yeah um but yeah so they've formed a band with uh barrett martin from screaming trees lane Staley came in i i think there was kind of like i don't know for sure but there was a bunch of sober people or recovering addicts and then Lane Staley. Oh, they're doing for Lane, were they? Yeah, like I don't want to say there was an intervention planned here, but I think they needed a singer. Um, yeah, and he was available, and he was keen, and he was good, and he fit in. But I think there was a hope of like, oh, we're all sober. He can come in. He'll get sober too. Maybe it's like if we distract him enough with this sort of thing, it can you know give him yeah. some yeah. And obviously so, Eddie um... was out doing his thing with his <laughs> girlfriend. Hey, we all got stuff going on, Eddie. <laughs> Just just recording three fish and you know, but uh, yeah, it obviously didn't like it. It went well, but it didn't really take off because yeah, you know. Well, I, th- I think this particular track, "River of Deceit," 
um, is is a much loved. Have, have Pearl Jam ever covered it? Or um, I is don't that know if they've covered it? any of this stuff. I don't know. Maybe they'll leave it alone. Maybe it's like a bit too sort of sacred sort of thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Mad Season. If you'd never heard it or like you want to go back to it, it's it's still quite fun to listen to. I had um, the song "Wake Up" as my alarm for so long that I almost started to dislike the song. But I don't. Seven minute song too. <laughs> it's a lot of snoozing. No need for snooze. <laughs> um, look, I like how consistent the Goo Goo Dolls were before Iris. I'm going to give them props <laughs> for that <laughs> because, god damn it, they put out a lot. This is, I mean, this is this is them. This is not Iris. This is Paul Rock. It's not how Iris. How do you go from so just open chords and a distortion pedal. Um, you've got Collector Soul. Yeah. But it's not yeah, so who gives a shit? Exactly. This is December by Collective Soul. Ooh. Obviously, working yeah. with some percussion stuff there. Um, I really like... I mean, okay, I don't really like the band that much, but like this, this song seems to be like very 90s... Um, by this is connection by Elastica. Oh, no way. This was the intro to one of my favorite English skit prank shows. <laughs> Ready for it? <laughs> Have yeah. you ever heard of a guy called Dom Jolly? No. He had this show in the early 2000s um, in England called Trigger Happy TV. Okay. Oh, was... I heard, I've heard the name Trigger Happy TV. Yeah. I... And that was, that, was the, that was the intro, was it? Yeah. I didn't know it was a real song. Okay. There you go. This is Stutter from the same album. Elastica, um, now, yeah, um, I, they were part of that sort of whole Britpop explosion that happened. Um, but yeah, that connection, I remember like, that's just being, that was, like, we will hear that connection song. Um, <laughs> up until 2000 apparently well also I can just imagine like you know uh, picture a, a 90s movie where um, a nerd has been transformed into a beautiful cheerleader girl and like she's slow walking into frame and it's going to have that <laughs> like it's just got that it's, it's some songs sound like they were made for movie montages and that song is one of them <laughs> No, oh, I can't hear it now because all I can hear is Trigger Happy TV. Fair enough. Um, Moby <laughs> was really cool. I really liked Moby. Um, was it? I've talked about it before. I liked it. I don't know. It's, mm. I said, like, this this whole sort of um, sample heavy sort of dance music is seems to be my new hip hop. Um, it's just pleasant to listen to. He, he's know. not there yet for me. Um, we had Tupac with um, a couple of, like, Dear Mama. Um, I'm not a big Tupac fan, but this one's His not voice too bad. is so good, though. Yeah. You are appreciated. I don't know if it's just from hearing him sampled so much, like, growing up, but I find his voice quite comforting, and yeah. I enjoy his, his stories. Yeah. Dear Mama's probably one of my favorite songs of his. It's, yeah. Oh, man. He's um, good. We had Annie Lennox... Uh, uh, you know, 
I think she peaked. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, like, like I, I do not like A Wider Shade of Power. That's that's not your song. Get away from it. Yeah. But. No More I Love Yous? Oh, man. This came on yesterday when I was in the car and Quico sat next to me and he was just staring at me. <laughs> and he looked so sad. Like. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Gets it gets me. Look, she's good at she's good at what she does. I'll, I'll, it reminds I'll, I'll me of um, is that band? Was it Lighthouse? Lighthouse Family. Lighthouse Family. That's coming up. That's coming up, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a band like so. This is one where we're really trying to sort of um find those like sort of oh no, I don't want to say smaller because that sort of reduces like you know people might be really into them, but like this is a band I found which is I kind of really liked. It's called um Sleeper, and I found them really really fun to listen to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was like, those bands that like I just never heard of before and I'm like, this is a really good album. It's like, makes you want to go back to the 90s just to like sort of pick up, make sure you don't sort of gloss over those. those There's those been albums. a lot of those in the last couple of years of, they're just, they're not really, they don't stand out like the Gin Blossom types. Like, yeah, they're that real middle of the road, like it's easy listening, but it's not actual easy listening. It's the gigolo iron effect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't really like Morphine last time. The album, I think you liked them last time. I really liked um this Scratch song. Um, it's the saxophone. Yeah. Or just whatever that brass is. It. Oh man. Having every song. Yeah kind of sounds like cure for pain though um yeah a little bit. <laughs> their, their big one off the last song um which leads us into okay so we're, we're here now and uh it still does it for me i um as i was listening to this i um i grabbed my bass and i was like what if i can and I'm like yeah like because like if you're a bass player back in uh, the nineties, my friend, you can nail that Israel Sun bass line. Uh, a, a child can nail that bass line. It's great. Yeah, but it's like it it, it sounds a lot harder than what it is, and I'm not, that's not taking anything away from it. But it's just yeah, like um, uh, yes, yeah, it's fun to play. Uh, definitely the one. Look, I still don't love Frog Stomp after listening to it a lot this week. I still don't think it's like obviously the better things that have come. It should have um, been an EP. Yeah. If they did a four but, or five track EP, it would have been like start to finish incredible. But songs like, was it Find A Way, Kokoda, whatever, there's... And is a bit amazing. weak. Oh, Madman's amazing. Madman's incredible. Suicidal Dream, I think, is probably quite underrated. Yeah. And Shade. Oh, Shade's great. Um, yeah, but the last three, Undecided, um, Kakeda and Find A Way, uh, and Leave Me Out, you could probably fault line. Yeah. <laughs> you just start really, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Take half the songs out. If this was Israel's Son, Tomorrow, Pure Massacre, Shade, Suicide Dream, and Madman, that's... That, yeah. Yeah. 
faultless. Yeah, I get that. Um, look, but they're kids, so like, yeah. Look, we, we're gonna we, we're really pushing pushing the time here. Red Earth Painters, I, I kind of liked. Smog, I really like. It's not. Um, they got. I, I first learned about Smog on the uh, High Fidelity soundtrack. Uh, so were they also on the Clerk soundtrack? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, that was Golden Smog. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wilco, so <laughs> so Wilco, we'll find we're going to see the 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 fallout from Uncle Tupelo because they split up um, at the end of like '94, and then um, someone will go form Wilco, the other one would um, go form Sunbolt. Uh, this one, um, AM, is a really cool one. I really like. I must be high. Um, but Wilco's can be like it's a. I find them very polarizing. Like people either love them or hate them. There's no rule. Middle wise, but I'm I'm quite the Wilco fan. Look, so. I don't hate them, um, but I certainly don't love them. I haven't really given them a solid chance yet, so I don't. It's not, uh, it's not grabbing me straight away. It's just I feel like it should, but it's not. So I haven't. Now I haven't moving into the next band, um, as I mentioned just before, uh, Faith No More. I I was not a fan of these guys in high school and stuff. Like a lot of other people like them. I, I kind of put them in the same uh, thing as Tool. Like, I always um, did as well. Yeah, they had some catchy but, songs, but for the most part, you're like, no, nah, it doesn't yeah, tick any but boxes. Man, this song right here, it's better be Ricochet. No, this is fucking pretty good. <laughs> this is digging a grave. Um, and then going to like you know, general art of making enemies. No. Um. Oh. Bass in this wow, album for someone too. who doesn't seem to like the band, you uh, get very keen. Well, on now this, yeah, this, this, this week, uh, and this, this one. Evidence. Come on. No. Why are you skip? Why? This. This. None of those. I mean, I'm. Not... I have some bias because I never listened to this album until a former bandmate was like, "Let's cover this song." Um, Which song? Ricochet. Oh, Ricochet. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so apparently this, album so was, good. apparently this album was quite, um, like, because their last one, if you remember, uh, was the one where they kind of went out of their way to not make a radio-friendly album. Um, it had Easy on it, but it was, it was pretty much like that, and a couple of songs were the only ones that like really sort of had um, much play. This one, um, apparently they were all involved in a near-fatal car wreck. Um, which um, and they also they also uh, dropped a couple of members and gained a couple and so like, there's a lot of sort of turmoil in the band. But this I remember this came out and like the um, the front cover is quite striking. It's like the cartoon of the dog sort of barking and um, I remember seeing that everywhere. And heaps of my mates were into it. And at the time I was like you know and I was the sort of person at school would who would like definitely go against the the, the wave so like i'm like i i never sort of tried if you to like it of... then i don't like it yeah and it like and look i've probably like missed out on a bunch of decent things with that stupid attitude but like that's that was me um listening to this again yeah those three songs evidence to general art making enemies and um a digging grave just like fucking really good songs um julian hatfield i really liked best um sorrentino um and suddenly tell me i really liked as well uh, I'd never heard of them before, um, and they were. This is not what I remember of Juliana Hatfield either. What's that? This is not how I remember Juliana Hatfield. She came up a couple of years ago, and like it was good. That 
that was with a band and this one's just a solo album and I believe that the, there's a bit of a difference but this is a lot sort of um, yeah this is a bit different um, yeah Universal I, Heartbeat I thought she one. was really good yeah yeah good stuff I like it Good. We're nearly we're nearly through. <laughs> um, look, I've got a real, oh. real soft spot. I got a real soft spot for presidents. <laughs> They're a band you can't imagine anyone disliking because it's just uh, catchy it's and fun. Goofy. It's goofy. Um, I, I don't know if you remember, like the main well, not, one of the main things I remember about them was that they had the um, the two string and three string guitars. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, one of them's like certified genius. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember specifically they played a show in front of Mount Rushmore that they played on Rage quite a lot, and I had a video of it, and I just watched it. It was fun to watch. They were fun to listen to. They're a good band. Um, they were fun as a child to sing their lyrics and not know what was going yeah. on. And. Um, yeah, I um, buggy. Yeah, um, my kids like it now. Like, I mean, we we used to play it in the car quite quite a lot, and they 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 loved it. So, um, and also one of the guys in there now plays in a band for kids, like they do albums for kids and stuff like that. So, yeah, is is this not also an album for kid? Well, I mean, like the the actual like it's actually aimed at like toddlers and the and, tracks like, young kids. on the playlist. I called Lump, Peaches, <laughs> Peaches, Kitty, Kitty and Doobuggy, yes. <laughs> if this isn't for kids, I don't know who it's for. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who's this? Where are we? This is Joan, Go- Joan Osborne. Oh, oh. I really like this album. Um, I watched. I listened to it while I was making dinner the other night. It's um, it's uh, it's the album's called um, Relish, and it's yeah, it's really good. It's like that. It's one of those ones where like one of us, I suppose, it fits in with the rest of it. But like you can tell, definitely tell that like, um, I don't know like there's like she's got more of a bluesy thing going on for like a lot of other stuff. But yeah, it's a really decent album, and I'd never give. All I've ever heard was that song. And the rest of the album is really, really decent. I'm sad I didn't so. get that far. I love that song. Yeah. Well, look, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. Look, so I, I don't know. Look, like that's that's a yeah a very long overview of what's going on. And the Boo Radleys. Um, I enjoyed the Boo Radleys. The Boo Radleys, yeah. Well, look, okay. And that one Railroad Jerk song you put on was pretty good. The Battle, the Battle of the Railroad, railroad Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that was the one that got the most airplay. And that they, they, they got a lot of college airplay sort of thing. So, um, so look, thanks for sticking with us because it's been a long one um but yeah there's a lot of lot of good uh as though we could have made a uh a episode just about the music section itself what are you gonna pick for your song and for your album the song is so the song is so hard yeah there's there's endless songs i could i could choose um i'm tempted to make one of us one of us yeah (laughs) Yeah, I, ne- I nearly was going to message this morning. I was like, should we do a top three or top five? <laughs> but we can't. We can't do. We can't keep doing tops. Um, look, what, oh, what's man. your song? Well, is it one of its? 
<laughs> it nearly, you know what? I, I wouldn't. I've already written mine down. I, I'm not. I'm not going nearly. back on what I've said, but like Mad Season, Ready Ahead, Silver Chair, Two Pack, Tea Party. Uh, yeah. Who am I forgetting? Ricochet. There's a, there's a lot going on. That's things. I kind of want to give it to... I, I, evidence would be um, a song um, that I'd definitely put in there. We didn't even mention Ned's Atomic Dustbin. <laughs> 90s band's names are funny. Um, oh, far out. What is, what's yours? Come on, give me yours. My song is Pure Massacre. Really? Yeah. Um, it's been with me for the longest. Um, it's probably one of... M- my favorite silver chair songs just for like the the quality the simplicity the the story um it's, it's, don't tell me that it's not a fucking excellent song you can't i'm not going to tell me it's not amazing and and it i don't think their age should come into it but being like a 14 to 15 year old and you've written recorded and created this and i remember so many people like downgrading him from that saying like you know what do you know it's like well what do you fucking know it's like just because you didn't like have the ability to write an amazing song at that age like they got they got so um cast away by like a lot of people just because of their age and it's like well it's still a really good song and like regardless of what you think they got the lyrics from like it's 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 hitting hitting the right uh, chords with a lot of people. So fucking hell, shut up. Yeah. Um. Oh man. You know, I thought I had it, and then it's like. <sighs> yeah. Sorry, this is a long episode. Paul couldn't decide on one song. <laughs> what's what's your album? No, give me a song. <laughs> fucking hell. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it to um. Uh, River I... Seat. Ooh. Yep. Wow. From the back row, comes down and takes it. Yep. Good choice. That's, that's that not one? a bad choice, though, really. Yeah, no, that's things like it was between that uh, evidence and um, one of us. So, yeah. Uh, my album is quite easily The Bends by Radiohead. Okay. Um, I did overplay it in high school um, and listening to it now. It's not. It's hard because I just I listen to it too much, so it's not what it was to me. But it's so good. It's it's a great album. There's a lot of great songs, despite the fact yeah. uh, Planet Telex, The Bends, Bones. Uh, I think just a lot of the intros could be the same song. <laughs> um, Street Spirit that was in contention for the song, um, but because I knew the album would be my album, that's yeah. Okay, it, it's it's amazing. I'm sorry. Well, then I think you I think you're going to be disappointed <laughs> in mine. Probably, because like, okay, so I like I like the fact that like there's some bands that just don't take things a lot very seriously, <laughs> and I like the fact that they get success from that as well. Um, I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, and the thing is, like, the, the songs are so simple, but, like, they stick with you, and, like, they always make me sort of smile, and, I don't know, I, 
like a few years ago, he probably would have been, um, I don't know, maybe Faith No More or, or like, uh, um, or, or maybe even Wilco sort of thing. But as a as a forty year old who um, <laughs> just likes likes people enjoying themselves, I'm gonna say the president's the United States of America. <laughs> that's not a bad choice. That's like there's a lot of good songs, and it's one of those albums that doesn't really get old. Like it's it's like no. I said, it's good fun. No, it's it's just I don't know I I find it just um, comforting. Um, I find it just, just easy to listen to and, and and just joyous. So that's that's my choice. So. Yeah, well, bumper bumper episode. We always have like a couple of episodes like that throughout our season, and um, I can see another um, potentially another uh, couple um, of movie and, and music months that are going to be a, a bit longer. Um, but thanks for joining us, sing with it if you got this far. Uh, check us out, uh, living the past uh, at uh, living the past pod at gmail Check us out on the Instagram. There'll be a bunch of stuff from this episode going up there. Um, and check out our other podcast, Do Thing on Spooky. We're in a bit of a break at the moment. Uh, we took go through X-Files two episodes at a time. Uh, so we've just done season one and two. So check out them, go through the backlog. And It's quite a backlog. It's quite the backlog, yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this 95 journey. This is, it's only going to get better. Um, can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, go watch, go watch Tank Girl. <laughs> Don't go watch Tank Girl. Go listen to the Benz and realize how many of the songs are just the same song done differently. But go it's still good. The, go watch Tank Girl and mute it and then put the Benz on the background and see if it matches up. Ooh. Yeah, mm. maybe. <laughs> Bye, everybody. All right. I'll see you later, everyone. Thanks for listening to Living in the Past. Music by Antigold. Check out his stuff at antigold.bandcamp.com. Artwork by Carly Kagenbin. Check out her stuff at carlykagenbin.design on Instagram. Or email her, carlykagenbin at hotmail.com. If you like the X-Files, check out our other podcast, Do You Think I'm Spooky? Available on all podcast platforms. Like what you're hearing? Give us a five-star review and a comment on Apple, Spotify, or Chartable. Stay cozy, look back, and relax. We'll see you later.